Hello everyone. Welcome to today's segment. We are talking about Lenin's new economic policy. This is our final subheading in our entire study of of Lenin. You will discover that he died by 1924. He probably couldn't achieve half of the things that he had hoped to, but at least it gives us some kind of indication as to whether the communist revolution was actually working for Russia or that it wasn't. We should be able uh, to study and assess Lenin's achievements based on the few things that he did within a period of about four or five years. So we saw that uh, the, the arrival of the Bolshevik revolution was not a bed of roses it was greeted with a lot of resistance especially when lenin dissolved the constituent assembly thereby making the bolsheviks the party of the state turning soviet russia into a one party state and we also saw how he refused to listen to counsel and advice concerning the harsh terms of the treaty of brest litovsk terms that cost russia immensely the loss of ukraine was a huge blow to the russian economy to the russian population at large and he responded to anyone who opposed or questioned his authority with a heavy crackdown the civil war as we have already said allowed lenin to passed many laws which were very unconstitutional it allowed him to use force and aggression to maintain his control over the state he tried to keep himself in power whilst at the same time thwarting the enemies of of the revolution at the end of the last lesson we talked a lot about war communism and how Lenin believes that the revolution could be completely fulfilled if the means of production were transferred from capitalist owners to the state then peasants could be appointed as subordinates to actually work on the land and produce I find the Bolsheviks and the Marxists to be full of contradiction when I consider such a system i think of the feudal system that plagued russia for decades do you remember the edict of emancipation that was actually passed by tsar alexander the 3 and he had tried he had attempted to actually get rid of a feudal system in which peasants had remained landless but were paying rent to landlords and i'm also thinking here is lenin uh, several decades later claiming to be doing things in a totally different way taking the means of production from the rich and and putting it under state control and then appointing peasants to work on the land but not actually giving the land to them to own it and i am asking myself was there actually any change there I am also looking very carefully at how the Russians stood together 
to produce a revolution in February 1917, a revolution that removed an oppressive system of the Romanovs that had existed for more than 300 years. They were calling and clamoring for democratic change. And I am looking at the Bolsheviks who assumed power in October 1917, but took away those very same democratic rights from the people of Russia. I asked myself, was there any real change in Russia? Was there any real change? Or the communist regime was just masquerading or disguised as a dictatorship somehow? You have to look very carefully. So when we look at what we talked about in the last lesson and the failures of war communism, it really gets you thinking. The government had no money and had taken away the means of production from the rich, but still could not save the economy. They believed that by whipping and beating up people, the peasants would be uh, subdued and forced to then produce but what they were leaving out of this entire story out of this entire equation was the fact that the peasants lacked the resources to actually produce right so in the end there, there was still no food peasants were hoarding the grain there were protests and revolt against the Bolshevik government and Lenin was forced to reconsider his policies perhaps forced was not the only way of producing food. It, it really wasn't working. Peasants had been beaten, scared, but they still were not producing any food. The good thing about Lenin is that he was able to adapt his leadership to the changing environment. He, he was very good at adapting. When he realized that one thing was not working, he was able to then uh, introduce a new solution. And he was not fixated upon Marxism only, but he was willing to explore other types of uh, leadership policies that could achieve the same end. So he decided to evaluate war communism and to say, it's just not working. We cannot keep on beating up the peasants. We need to encourage them to produce, not frighten them. And he was also thinking the universal problem that the government has no money is not going to go away. But if we can motivate the peasants to produce, then that could be a solution for everybody. The peasants will stop being beaten and then they will provide food for the whole country. This was his reasoning. So he passed what was known as the new economic policy. It was actually meant to deal with the problems of war communism. The first thing about this new policy was a law which said the central economic control was to be relaxed. Okay. And it would allow peasants to then reassume control of, of the land somehow. They would be allowed um, perhaps over a certain period to own the land okay that that was that in itself was an incentive to produce because if you were told 
that you could work on this land and after a number of years that land would be given over to you definitely you would care for that land you would make sure you kept the boundaries safe and you took care of the equipment knowing that in in future the land would belong to you so this was a very uh, important reform which was passed which was meant to motivate the peasants also the NEP had a law which said the government was no longer to raid and force peasants to buy grain at to sell grain at low prices sorry about that to sell grain at low prices right so the NEP was basically saying we are going to stop attacking the peasants we're going to stop attacking your storehouses and we're going to stop enforcing price controls if you have produced the grain expensively that year then let it be sold at a fair price and this this was good because it meant that peasants could go back to work without any fear of victimization from from the government because if you appeared to be producing a lot it actually attracted a lot of attention from the government and this is why peasants were no longer producing but if if the government was passing a law that you could actually sell at whatever reasonable price at, at, at a fair price then peasants were able to then go back to work and reproduce and the the NEP also had a law which said peasants could keep their surpluses and sell it for for profit right and there were actually going to be public markets that the government was going to create where these peasants would come and display their grain and sell they've already sold to the government and made their profit the extras they can sell for themselves so this encouraged peasants to produce more and more and make food more available and and money was to be reintroduced as a means of of trading it means lenin was very serious about fixing up the economy let's Let's have standard ways of trade. Let's have internationally acceptable standards of trade. A system of bartering only worked within Russia, but when you went internationally, uh, they had to have some kind of currency as a medium of of exchange. So this was a very good step towards rebuilding the Russian currency. Lenin had it right. Okay, so the NEP had a few positive results the the most obvious results of the NEP was that food immediately became available okay it stimulated a growth and and commerce because that it that is what it was meant to do once the peasants grow the grain then they sell it there's some kind of commerce going on uh, in Russia that would then stimulate other industries and manufacturing enterprises to also get revived after all a, a, a healthy population that was well fed was what was required to drive the rest of the economy if people were no longer hungry then they would stop protesting against the government they would pick themselves up and go and actually work in the industries so agriculture you see was the center of the whole economy and it was working 
grain production increased by a commendable 13.8% by 1924 as a result of the NEP. Electricity production also increased by almost three times. Wages of workers were steadily increasing. People could afford to buy food and clothing once again. Life was starting to become decent once again. And the whole system of incentivizing peasants and giving them a promise of land was, was very good in that it motivated the peasants to work harder. Some peasants even came together and formed what were called cooperatives where they joined their, their small farms together and produced on a much larger scale as a group. And as a group, they pulled together all their resources, all their manpower, all their money, all their fertilizers. Everything was put together towards producing a bumper harvest. And these cooperatives were highly successful. The government started to notice that the peasant farmers were doing so well that a group of people called Nepmen emerged. These were rich farmers or rich traders or rich retailers who suddenly accumulated wealth within that economic uh, situation. They were able to take full advantage of the economy that was once again resuscitating itself and they generated a lot of wealth. So the NEP was a very realistic approach to to the problems of Russia. That is what Russia needed at that time. But you'll find that so many people did not agree with Lenin and this policy. From the start, some members of the Bolshevik party felt that this was a deviation from the Marxist principles. This, this was not even Marxism. This was not even communism. This was not even Leninism. They, they just couldn't define it. And they said... You know, Lenin was going back on his word. He was reversing the gains of the revolution by creating a wealthy class of people who dominated the economy. Remember, this is the reason why communists had overthrown uh, the capitalist system. They had said it was unfair and benefited only a few people. Now, by passing the NEP, the government was actually creating a new class of rich people and people condemned Lenin for this. One of the people who condemned Lenin was his good friend, Leon Trotsky. He felt that Lenin had prematurely given up on war communism, that if war communism had been applied more vigorously, if peasants had been beaten some more, then they definitely would have produced more food. But Lenin was of the thought that it, it wasn't working. We need a different strategy. So the Bolshevik party started to fall apart. People started to break away. People started to bicker. People started to complain that even Lenin could not stick to the principles of the proletarian revolution, that he was betraying the principles of the revolution and had shown tendencies of, of compromise. One of the reasons why the NAP did not have 
a lot of support was that it created a scissors crisis in 1923. The scissors crisis is the gap between agriculture and industry. And this gap was growing wider and wider like an open scissors. If the economy was healthy, then the gap between agriculture and industry should have closed like a closed scissors to show that these industries were running parallel to each other. Agriculture would, would be supporting industry and they would be growing together parallel. But the reality of the situation is that agriculture was growing faster than what was happening in the industries and the gap was opening up like like a scissors this is what many bolsheviks called it and no one could explain what the problem is agriculture is doing well you know businesses are booming but in industry things are just not moving it's because industry did not receive the same kind of incentives like like agriculture the state had retained total control of of industry not only that the the country was still very backward the government did not invest any money into refurbishing those industries or buying latest technology or latest machines that could enable production they were just clamoring and saying we we want more goods but on paper on the ground this could not be done Russian industries had not been functioning since the time of Tsar Nicholas and for them to just demand certain percentages of production was just totally ridiculous it couldn't be done so the scissors effect was often discussed within the Bolshevik circles and people said Lenin has lost it you know he has no idea what he is doing agriculture is booming but agriculture alone cannot sustain the economy and they were right they were definitely right something had to be done to reduce that scissors gap right so lenin tried by this time he was very unwell in 1923 he had suffered um, a stroke and you know he wasn't himself and with the party starting to disintegrate like that he really didn't have his former energy to deal with all their with all their drama and all their bickering but he tried he tried to appoint a special committee or an agency that was called the goss plan right then the goss plan was just supposed to look at the scissors crisis and and try to figure out what is going wrong in in industry what can be done to narrow the gap and close that scissors i've actually put a picture for you and you can see that uh, by 1923 october 1923 the gap was really really wide like the scissors was really really wide open and the goss plan was appointed to find out why what can we do to stop this it's shameful to say the goss plan failed to come up with any kind of reasonable solution or explanation they they were all baffled they couldn't figure it out why is agriculture doing well and industry is failing but as historians it's very clear they did not invest anything in industry how did they expect um 
to attain any kind of growth right so they they really had to figure this out right to make matters worse one of uh the supporters of of lenin started to break apart they started to promote and allow this factionalism to dominate the bolshevik party and a group within the bolsheviks emerged they called themselves the platform of 46 and these 46 individuals were saying we are the true communists and we oppose the new economic plan because it doesn't reflect the communist agenda that is why it is not working because it's not communism at all so by the time lenin died in 1924 uh, the state was still in a you know the state was still in chaos things were still at the doldrums as it were nothing was right and they were moving towards these solutions and it wasn't clear what the government was anymore are we communist are we going back to capitalism are we still marxists it really wasn't clear this is the kind of confusion that lenin left behind but you'll find that in other sectors of social life the bolsheviks had really cemented their position remember we have been talking about uh, the communist dictatorship you'll find that they penetrated all social circles you go to the culture and the arts they brainwashed people to believe that communism was was correct that it was the way of the future and that other countries would soon realize it and that they would have their own proletariat revolution in due course and that you know the future human beings of the world were were soviets okay soviets had to be empowered all this was the communist propaganda which leon trotsky was spreading and anyone who was a writer or an artist or a musician had to promote that propaganda if you did not promote this then the government shut down your enterprise you were not allowed to write stories or paint pictures or write dramas that didn't um elevate the government so there there was no freedom of expression as it were yes people were versatile in experimenting with different genres but at the end of the day they were not free to express what they really felt because it was dictated by the government the church was not exempted the church was you know cut down significantly the crackdown on the church was very very serious because lenin believed that the way of the future the way of the communist revolution is such that people will not need religion to dictate their way of life religion was a, a failure uh, a system of oppression as it were a system of oppression that was synonymous with the 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 romanov dynasty and that system had to fall in order to usher in a new revolution so the church was not spared the the bishops and the pastors and, and all the church officials their titles were stripped from them their lands were taken they were subjected to arbitrary arrests 
humiliating public trials. Uh, some propaganda was used against them. They made up stories about indecent behavior within the church, theft, sexual immorality. All these things were put out to discredit the church. And eventually, the Bolsheviks passed a law that uh, the education system was no longer under the church. So the church could no longer be the religious organization overseeing education. Children would not be forced to pray in school anymore or to carry Bibles anymore. Do you see that the church was removed from its position of authority? And to back this up, an, an actual law was passed to separate the church and the state to ensure that the church would never have that kind of power ever again i i just feel like the part where he starts attacking the church i I really feel like he was going the other way like he was really losing it really going off the rails and then when you talk about how communism infiltrated the family institution it had a profound effect especially on women and the laws of equality that were passed abortion was legalized and women were made equal to men and the whole concept of marriage was ridiculed you know who wants to be tied down uh, to a marriage like that marriage was really ridiculed women were encouraged to abandon their families or to divorce their spouses uh, at the slightest provocation because they said the concept of marriage and happily ever after is a fairy tale image that was passed down by the bourgeoisie, by the capitalist system. And the communist system sought to remove all traces of that. So all that happiness and romance and happily ever after business belongs to an ancient era. The kind of communist era which they were in uh, was to make women stronger. Right, so some feminists emerged during that period I'm sure you can understand why historians feel like that period was very, very controversial. Right, so Lenin's legacy is a bittersweet story. On the one hand, we admire him terribly for what he achieved, for what he accomplished, his skills of adaptation, his leadership, which was inclined towards the needs of Russians at that point in time. Whatever solution he came up with was designed to address a specific problem. Even if you go back to the Civil War, even if you go back to how he consolidated uh, Bolshevik position, his leadership was always, always inclined towards giving a solution. And yet he was so ruthless. And yet we hate him at the same time for the kind of ruthlessness and torture that he exerted upon the Russian people. It's up to you to decide whether this man is a hero or a villain to you. Was he a success or was he a failure? Look at his economic policy. Look at what he achieved before he died. Are you going to just dismiss it as a total failure when the percentages show that 
the economy did improve significantly given the circumstances that Russia was uh, war-torn and politically divided. Was there any other way in which economic recovery could have been attained besides a dictatorship? Right, so this is the end of our topic. When we meet next time, we will be talking about Stalin. You have convinced me that you are not able to write the test today. So this is why we did the podcast instead. Your test will be scheduled and lined up for Friday. And then on Monday, we should be starting on on Stalin. And I hope that all this has been clear. I hope that you are able to evaluate Lenin based on the former dispensation of Tsar Nicholas. You are able to really measure if Lenin brought any change at all, politically, economically, or socially, or whether he simply perpetuated an era of tyranny and dictatorship just under a different system and under a different name. So I hope that this has been clear. And I hope that you understood everything. Bye-bye.